What's up, what's up, everyone? It is time for the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. It's me, Joe Serralo, joined, as always, by my man, Mackenzie Rivers, who, after the last two episodes, has taken a one-game lead on me in the best bet standings. Mackenzie, I think we got to talk to Sleepy, because <laughs> if, if my memory is serving me correctly, I could have sworn my bonus bet was the under in the Knicks-Hawks game, and my best bet was Hawks minus one and a half, but the standings don't show that. You came out so strongly on the Hawks. I was sure that was your best bet, but I think technicality-wise, I mean, you you went one and one, but I think technically you said your best bet was the under. Uh, I did, I did, but I, w- I will which say Which just that- creeped over, just creeped over by you know a, a foul in the last minute. Someone tweeted me about that. Yeah, so. w- what was it, three and a half points, I think? I mean, that was, that was heartbreaking. I-, I will say this, Mackenzie. So on Tuesday, I had my last day at my old job. I'm going to be moving out to LA in a couple weeks, uh, starting a couple new jobs. And I was asked at the bar to say a few words. Now, this job was in cybersecurity, right? So as you could imagine, not a lot of sports people, not a lot of sports betters out there. So when I got asked at the bar to say a few words before I left, uh, I closed out by saying, you know, I know most of you know that I'm going to work in sports media. One of the jobs is actually in sports betting. So my little parting gift to everyone here, UNC Wilmington minus two. And you'd be shocked about half of the people in the room actually made that bet. And I made a lot of old coworkers some money Tuesday night. It was a good way to leave. Absolutely. Ending on the right note. Congratulations, my friend. LA is a beautiful place to be. In general, the West Coast, and I count Las Vegas as part of that, is the best coast. I've said this since I moved to the West for the first time since 2012. There's a gravitational orbital field across the entire continent, North and South America, If you are to the right of the Mississippi, you're just that much more pretentious. You're just that much more stuck (laughs) up. You're just that much more concerned about the little things that don't matter. You're mad at traffic. You're yelling. And as you drift to the West, things just get a little more open, a little more free. I'm I'm excited to hear your your journey. Uh, Exciting things popping off you in L.A. I'm sure some of those Super Bowl connections when you were out there didn't hurt. Yes, sir. That's where it all came from. Hell yeah, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm excited to hear if my theory, if you see the same things. And Colin Coward has talked about some of these things, so it's not completely original, but I'll be interested to hear your experience. Yeah, you know, I do think that there's some truth and validity to what you're saying. I'm not going to deny yelling at other cars in traffic. That is definitely not beneath <laughs> me. But I'm excited. I'm also excited. I've never been to Vegas. So moving to LA, I believe it's about a four-hour drive. Maybe we'll get to do a show or two in person because I will be hitting up Las Vegas while I'm out there. It's exciting stuff. Not only that, there is a very exciting project, and maybe, I mean, this has kind of been floated out for years, a 90-minute Hyperloop. Some even people say it could be 30 minutes. Tesla's thinking about this kind of thing. A 90-minute Hyperloop from L.A. to Vegas will completely revolutionize Vegas and maybe help L.A. get a little cooler, too. I mean, my goodness, that would, uh, that would be lethal for me if I could get to Vegas in an hour and a half. My man, I'm still in New York for another couple weeks, though, and we've got big news out of New York City Today, hours ago, Mayor Eric Adams has lifted the vaccine mandate for private sector employees. What does this mean, folks? Kyrie Irving can play at the Barclays Center. It means, you know, more than that, of course, Mets and Yankees players will be able to play in home games. But this is an NBA show, an NBA betting show, and the Brooklyn Nets will have Kyrie Irving. Doesn't matter, rain or shine, home or away, throughout the rest of the regular season. And of course, what we're here to talk about throughout the postseason. So let's look at the updated title odds. The pregame consensus title odds have bumped the Nets up 
to the second favorite. You've got the Suns at plus 350, the Nets behind them at plus 550. Mackenzie, how much does Kyrie being able to play both home and away games impact the Nets odds here? And do you think that they should be the favorites in the Eastern Conference at this point? I do. I do. I think it's close with the Bucs and the Sixers. Uh, Bucks playing excellent basketball right now, way better than the Nets, but we're talking about the future. And this is what's, what's great about the Vegas and all prediction markets, really, is all known information, including the very good possibility that this decision would come at some point this season, was built into the number. That's why when the season started, they were plus 250 favorites. And that's why yesterday the odds didn't change that much. They were they were six to one. They were right there with the Warriors as second, third favorites. So they get a little bump up. The fact that it happens now versus a week into the playoffs or later is definitely a positive. And um, yeah, I, I think they should be favorites. I think last year entering the playoffs, they were about minus 110 versus the whole field in the entire NBA. Now the Suns have played a lot better. By the way, 6-0, and the Suns, the last six. I just checked this, couldn't believe it. No Chris Paul, no problem. Beating teams by 20 points per 100 possessions the last six games, by far the number one in the NBA, have not missed a beat. So, yeah, the, the talent or the competition is stronger. But if you think, okay, minus Harden, add the pr- prospect of Ben Simmons, add more health from Kevin Durant, add more health from Kyrie Irving so far, yeah, the fact that they're no longer prohibitive favorites, but right there in the mix, that seems about right to me. You know, it still doesn't seem right to me uh, that they're favorites among Eastern Conference teams. And it doesn't have to do with Kyrie. I mean, look, I was low on Kyrie when he came back. I thought that the team was actually playing better basketball without him. Guys like Patty Mills had bigger roles and the whole flow of things just looked better. Well, here we are a couple months later and the Nets have it figured out with Kyrie on the court. I mean, the guy has had, what, three straight games of 40 plus. He's had 40, 50 and 60 point games this month. He's been absolutely unreal. But just by looking at how late it is in the season and the current standings in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be hard for the Nets to break into the top six. In fact, it's going to be hard for the Nets to host that 7-8 game. And if you look, now look, Cleveland could always fall into the 7 seed. The Raptors are playing great ball. But the way things currently lie, if the Nets have to go to Toronto for that 7-8 game, they would be without Kyrie once again. And so you're looking at a team who it's very realistic, might have the eight seed. And I don't see how anyone with the eight seed can be favored to win the conference because they're probably, you know, Miami's fading a little bit. They're probably going to have to go to either Philly or Milwaukee. It'll be the best one versus eight of all time. But to make them the favorites as an eight seed, it it just, it doesn't seem right to me. How spicy would it be if we get one eight, something like Miami, Brooklyn in the East, and then one eight, Phoenix, Los Angeles in the West. Just to put some numbers on it, the playoff odds, according to NBA 538 for the Nets, is not a sure thing. You think, oh, title favorites, they're in there. Only 68% currently, and you mentioned it, big, big question mark, whether or not they would like to get the ninth seed or maybe or hopefully try to get the seventh seed because the eighth seed could be a problem. The one building in North America playing professional basketball that Kyrie Irving could not suit up for is still in Toronto. Interesting, they're actually tied in the projections by 538, 46 and 36 with the Cavs. So tonight's game, Raptors and tonight recording on Thursday afternoon. Appreciate you, Joe, moving up your schedule a little bit so I can uh, make some college basketball. Of course. Um, 
inquiries with uh, a few associates of mine uh, later tonight. But recording tonight, Raptors are minus five versus the Cavs. That's a huge game. If you're a Brooklyn fan, you are desperately, desperately rooting for Toronto to win and get to that sixth seed. Because with Kyrie going to Cleveland versus without Kyrie going to Toronto, it's probably like a three, three and a half point uh, adjustment for that one critical playing game. Yeah, and just look at how those teams match up, right? If you're the Nets, you're dying for Cleveland. This is a team with obviously a great point guard in Darius Garland, but outside of him, their strength is in the post. And if you're Brooklyn, you will gladly trade three for twos in that matchup. Uh, you know, Evan Mobley has been incredible. This is a guy who is a budding star in the league, but, you know, him and Jared Allen are not going to shut down Durant and Kyrie Irving, right? It's just not going to happen, at least not this year. Cleveland's been a great story. I think the Nets would walk all over them. Doesn't matter who's the home team in that 7-8 game. So yeah, if, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you're desperately rooting for your division rival, the Raptors, to uh, to get up to that sixth seed so you play at Cleveland there. It's just, you know, you brought it up, the, the prospect of the Nets and Lakers both being eight seeds. And considering that coming into the year, those were the two clear consensus title favorites, that is just absolutely wild. The NBA is, you know, probably one of the more predictable uh, of the major North American sports leagues. I would say of the four leagues, the NBA is the most predictable. And this year has been anything but. And that's what's made it such a special, fun season. You get the Grizzlies as a two seed right now in the West, and the Lakers and Nets are both, you know, eight seeds. It's, uh, or at least hoping to be eight seeds. Um, it's wild, man. So let me ask you, as a New Yorker, what did you think of this reversal? I found it telling. I'll just read one quote when asked, you know, why basketball players, why baseball players, why not teachers, why not firemen? Why is this particular exemption? Adams kind of told on himself, Mayor Eric Adams. A small number of people have an outsized impact on our economy. In other words, the rich and the powerful are rich and powerful. And we like it when they do well because it helps everybody. There's truth to it, but it's it's really bald face like, yeah, these people get a special exception because they're, you know, elite, elites. Yeah. And you know what? There's truth to it. Uh, and it's a sad truth. You know, obviously, you know. These guys, I mean, look at Kyrie Irving, right? The guy gets millions and millions of dollars to play a sport for a living. I'm the polar opposite of the shut up and dribble crowd. But at the same time, as someone who's grown up around sports now makes a living talking about sports, like we all have to keep in mind how fortunate these people are. Like, you know, they're playing a children's game for a living. And that doesn't, you know, with that shut up and dribble thing, it doesn't invalidate their opinions on life, their thoughts about life, politics, and other avenues. But at the same time, these are really lucky people. And so, you know, I don't really believe that all of our decisions should revolve around them. I thought Stephen A. said it great on first take yesterday when uh, when he said that he had texted a couple Hall of Famers about the situation and they said we would have uh, tied that guy up and given him the vaccine ourselves. I think that, you know, I think ultimately Kyrie here is the biggest problem. He's the biggest one at fault, not the league, not New York City. Kyrie is the selfish one here. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the fact that a player from Indiana can come into the Barclays Center unvaccinated and play, or a fan can go unvaccinated and watch, and Kyrie can't. Uh, you know, there's nothing in this world that bothers me more than hypocrisy, and that just didn't make any sense. I think everyone should have to be vaccinated, and, you know, visiting players shouldn't be able to play if they're not, but it's got to go both ways. It can't just be the home player. So Makes sense to me. It didn't make much sense, like this uh, particular rules with one player in, one player out. Didn't make so much sense to me when Jimmy Butler last night told uh, Eric Spolstra, head coach of the Heat, uh, do you want to fight me? I think was his quote. Or uh, did you hear that? This is a crazy story. Let's get into it. 
It was wild. It was wild. It's time for a little heat check, man. There's the there's a turmoil among the top seed in Miami Heat. Yeah, I uh, you know, Eric Spolstra has been around this league a long time, longer than most uh, other head coaches, and I don't get it from Jimmy Butler. I, I really am confused by this. You know, I love Butler and I love his passion and the fact that you know he'll call people out, he'll call teammates out, but he leads by example. So you know, if, if you're going to call your teammates out for their lack of effort and then you're going to give the most effort, that's okay to me, right? I think Jimmy Butler is a great leader. To turn to your coach, a guy who's coached. LeBron James, a guy who has coached Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Hall of Famers, right? A guy who got more out of other ancillary players. He got more out of Mario Chalmers than I think any other coach in the league could have. To turn to him when you're the top seed because you're down big in one game and say, do you want to fight me? Can we call it what it is? I mean, it's classless, right? It's it's beneath who Jimmy Butler is. I think that's fair. I think it's, it's a moment. I mean, I don't know if I've had maybe three or four of these where you know, my, my neck is hot and the back of my neck is beating and I'm, I, I'm, I'm feeling all flush and I'm, I'm very correct in my opinions and very correct in what I'm deciding to do at that moment. But there's a, there's a sneaky feeling in the back of my mind, like I am really off the, the, the reservation here. I'm, once I come to, once my uh, heart rate comes back down, I'm really going to regret. I think it was one of those moments for Jimmy Butler and, uh, Let's see what it does because you mentioned it. It was it was one bad game. Just to put the context on it, the Warriors had so far lacked to win before this game. Any games with Steph Curry since he'd been out, they're zero and three straight up in ATS. They were two and seven straight up throughout the season. By the way, they were two and seven last year when Steph Curry missed. So four and fourteen. Usually a team that you should beat, especially when Draymond Green was given the night off. Clay Thompson for the Warriors was given the night off. The Heat were 10-point favorites, and this is a team that was, that's was that been 6-5, and five, their last 11, uh, just not performing up to, up to snuff. Is this the catalyst? Is this a dip that they're going to be able to, to turn you know this mini slump around, or is this signs of, of festering problems? Another question I have is, Udonis Haslam is still in the league? <laughs> Isn't wow. that crazy? I mean, Udonis <laughs> Haslam, I think he's checked into about six games this year for an average of about four minutes per contest. Um, but, you know, he, he's the kind of guy who at 48 years old in four minutes will still grab six boards. Like, Udonis Haslam is tough as nails, and I think he's the one guy on the heat who Jimmy Butler probably wouldn't want to get into a brawl with, and Haslam, right. was, Haslam was the first guy at Spolster's defense. He was actually being held back from clocking Jimmy. Um, which, you know, it tells you about Spolstra, because I mentioned all the other guys Spolstra's coached. There's no one that he's coached longer than Udonis Haslam, and Haslam was the first guy to his coach's defense. So I really think Butler is the one at fault here um, more than Spolstra, and I think Haslam's reaction kind of proves that. But I think this is the catalyst, right? I think that this is a veteran team. I still think Jimmy Butler is a phenomenal leader, although he lost his cool in one instance. Let's not judge him. By this one instance, I think he's a phenomenal leader who every guy in that locker room looks up to. And, you know, the Heat, it, it's a dogfight here, right? You've got the Bucks and Sixers and Celtics all a game and a half back from that top seed. The East is not gunning for the Nets. It's not gunning for the Bucks or for Philly. They're gunning for the Heat's position in the standings. And I think that, you know, this mini slump, right? It's a two-game skid. It's nothing serious. I think it's going to turn around. Look at how the Heat responded to it in this game. They were down 69 to 50 when that little sideline scuffle broke out. They cut it to an 81-80 game. Now, look, I know ultimately they lost and they lost pretty big, but they responded to that 
with a 30-12 to run. I think they respond to it ultimately with a win Friday night. You know what, McKenzie? I think they respond to it with my best bet Friday night. I'm going with the Heat minus six and a half. That's our pregame projection against my Knicks. Look, Miami is 16 and eight against the spread after a loss. That's the third best cover percentage in the league after a loss. They've also won five straight against the Knicks. Three of those five. In fact, the last three in a row have all been by double digits. We know that the Heat have talented guys on that roster. We know that they're one of the best defensive units in the league. The Knicks, as of late, I know that their most recent game, they had a nice little offensive outburst against Charlotte. Leading up to that, though, scoring has been a bit of a struggle. Guys like R.J. Barrett have cooled down. I spoke about this last episode when I took the under in that Knicks-Hawks game, of course. I think that the Heat are going to stifle the Knicks. I think that Jimmy Butler, let's not forget, one of the best two-way players in the league, has an otherworldly game in this one. Heat respond to that with a win and a cover, minus six and a half against the Knicks, my best bet. I like it. I think it's contrarian. Uh, Michigan, with that whole fiasco, talking about the college basketball team and Juwan Howard and being suspended, the the knee-jerk reaction was, okay, well, let's fade Michigan. They're obviously distracted. But you think they're thinking, you know, wow, we're really oh, – man, that was, that was a bad narrative. That was – that was a bad look. No, they're thinking, I want this part of this conversation to be over. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to put my foot down, as I like to say, and respond. I think this number gets bet up. My projections, power ratings make it six and a half. But I think that narrative is convincing, and, and I buy it. I think the, 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 the Heat respond with a big win. Yeah, and y'all might get lucky. You know, maybe the bookmakers look at that game, and or the odds makers, maybe they look at that game, and they go, ah, the Heat are in a bit of turmoil. They lost to a bad Warriors team. I mean, I don't know if it'll happen, but if this thing opens at, you know, Miami minus four, four and a half, look for the opening line here. Keep an eye out today, shop around, and if this thing comes out lower than our pregame projections, hammer the shit out of it. To that point, in particular in this matchup, I think we might get a lower number, at least at the very open, because think about the books that often come up with these virgin numbers, FanDuel and DraftKings, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. East Coast teams do get a bias in these openers, especially in those books. Yeah, and the Knicks just put up 120. You know, the Heat, uh, again, they lost to a Jordan Poole-led Warriors, and they lost bad if you look at that final score. So, uh, you know, you might get a more generous. So think, think about it from the, from the bookmaker's perspective. I'm going to get – I have $200 limits on my open. I'm going to get Knicks fans, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning when I put this number up, that, that pound it almost no matter what, especially if they think the Heat are distracted. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get bet up. It's gonna be four and a half, five and a half, six, six and a half. But then the next day, when the real limits go up, people are gonna be like, "Oh wow, I'm getting six and a half. This was only four and a half." And you get that counterbalance. You get that action. So even though the right number was six and a half, they don't mind get letting not only sharp people like us take advantage of the bad line opener and letting the public that don't know any better, you know, fall victim to the bad line opener. Yeah, and, and the great thing about us recording this on a Thursday afternoon is that this episode might actually be up and out before the line is. So when you hear this, get out there, get that opening line, guys. We've got two other games that we have to get to, though, and we're going to start with a Saturday night contest that I absolutely cannot wait for. The Milwaukee Bucks at the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, Mackenzie, this, this is the kind of matchup that will lead the league in fun. John Morant hopefully should be back for this one. Obviously missed the Nets game and go figure Memphis won it. Giannis off tonight against Washington. So you'll get a rested Greek freak, a rested John Morant. 
I mean, these are two of the top, you know, five or six players in basketball right now. I can't wait for this matchup. What are you seeing here for your early projection for Saturday night? I think the Bucks will be slight favorites, minus one and a half. Now, John Morant is currently questionable for Thursday's games. He's missed the last couple with a knee injury. Fascinating stat. It's becoming at a point where I'm starting. Look, I am the last guy to make the argument that Peyton Manning is better than Tom Brady because look what happened when he wasn't there. They were 0-16, and, and look what happened when Tom Brady wasn't there. They were still 10-6. and 6. I think it's to your credit if you can build, if you can be part of an organization that can see, succeed without you. That said, the fact that the Grizzlies are 15-2 and 2 on a 70-game win pace when Morant misses is just an eye-popping stat that I can't really fully get my head around. I think he's worth about two points to the line. I'm not swayed enough to say he's not worth anything or that the team is somehow better off without him. No, 17-game sample. Maybe they've had more motivation to, to you know expand their roles when, when he's not out there, but I think they want him out there very badly. You talk about the fun factor. It's 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 gotta be it's gotta be one of the most fun matchups we can have because we have two MVP candidates. We have two of the top three fastest teams in the league, pace-wise. We have two of the top three offenses in the league. So this is going to be a barn burner, I think, especially if Morant goes because, you know, he's better offensively, worse defensively. I think this total gets bet up, and I think over is the way to go. But that's a big question mark uh, because when he doesn't play, they're about seven points better defensively and slightly worse offensively. So that's a big swing. I'm looking for the under if he doesn't play. I'm looking for the over if he does play. And it's funny because he just missed the game and they beat Brooklyn 132 to 120. So that was it's not a perfect system. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, it's like also when you have John missing a game like that, right? Like you're getting performances. DeAnthony Melton off the bench decides to go six of 10 from beyond the arc, drop 23. Uh, I mean, they had how many bench points in this game? I'm, I'm trying to look at it now and do quick math in my head. It's looking like 52 bench points in this one. So does that mean that they're a better team without Ja? No, it was just, I love the next man up mentality that you get from the Grizzlies. I mean, come on, DeAnthony Melton's not going to have 23 every night, but he did it at the right time against one of the best teams in basketball. So, you know, yeah, I don't think they're a better team without Ja. And, you know, it's obviously early. Giannis is missing a game here. We don't know Morant's uh, status 1000%, although I think he'll be back. But I do agree with you. I think that the best way to play this game is to look for the early line and hit the over as soon as it comes out because it will undoubtedly be bet up. I think I think it's almost 90% unless there's an injury or something. I mean, someone could be ruled out, but it's the right side, I think. I think two high-paced teams make each other faster in this particular matchup, especially being at home in Memphis where the underdog or the perceived underdog uh, will kind of dictate pace more. Milwaukee has no problem matching you. I think if you get it within the first hour, you're going to have a two-point advantage. I'll make a bold prediction. Yeah, and every point matters. Look, we saw with my best bet last episode. I mean, you know, it came down to, I think, three points I was off by. So every point matters. Get that early. We also saw it, of course, not as competitive, but, you know, with the All-Star game as well. These things do matter, uh, taking that early line sometimes with a total. If you're going to play a side in this game, before we get on to our next game and the final game we're going to cover, the Grizzlies went through a bit of a, a bit of a hiccup, a bit of a mediocre stretch. They've countered that by winning six of seven straight up and covering their last three out of four. So the Grizzlies, and, you know, don't forget a couple of those without Morant, Grizzlies have gotten back on track in terms of, you know, being the best ATS team in basketball. But 
If you think the Bucks are going to win this one outright, remember what we said last episode when McKenzie handed out that winner. Uh, his best bet was Bucks. I believe it was minus six at the time. They ended up going up to what minus eight in that game. Yeah, they went all the way to minus eight, and then Chris Middleton went out. And this is how you know the first number was so bad. Chris Middleton went out, and it went down to six and a half. So with all known information, the line was six, and then Chris Middleton went out, and the bookmakers were like, well, we still got to make it higher because it was so crazy low. That was one of those openers, talking about big markets. FanDuel and DraftKings has a lot of people uh, that are Bulls fans. They have a lot of people that didn't mind getting plus five and a half crazy, to even say out loud, plus six versus a team that's probably seven points better than, than on a neutral, and they were at home, and they had a rest advantage. That was a rare, rare uh just crazy line just yeah, just, it, a, just it, bore it was an error let's call it what it is you know it was yeah. just it, it was bad um but the bucks i mentioned this you know when we were talking about that game their win cover combo is off the charts right they have now with that winning cover against the bulls covered in 34 of their 45 wins that's better than a 75 percent clip so again said it last episode if you think the bucks are going to win this game i know the grizzlies are one of the best ats actually the best ats team in basketball but if you think the bucks are going to go there and win outright then you're probably with a game that's going to have a close line. You're probably better off just taking the Bucks um, ATS if you think that they're going to win this game. Let's get to our next one. Friday night action. Two teams that just played each other. The Dallas Mavericks headed to Minnesota to take on the Timberwolves. And McKenzie, correct me if I'm wrong. Are we looking at a T-Wolves minus two projection here? Yes. And my power ratings made it less than that because I thought the Mavericks were a better team. But these teams, like you mentioned, just played, and Minnesota was only a minus one-and-a-half-point dog with no major injuries for the Mavericks at Dallas. So home court's about two points. The market was telling us in their last matchup, right now, Minnesota surging number five net rating. Actually, I'm sorry, number three net rating the past month in the league. The Mavericks only 16th. The market said right now they believe the Timberwolves are the slightly better team or at least equivalent. So I think you flip home court here. I think Minnesota is going to be minus two. I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, these teams match up pretty well. Obviously, they're constructed very differently, but they do match up pretty well. And, you know, Mackenzie, a stat you've brought up several times is that the Timberwolves are one of, if not the best teams in the NBA at limiting opposing point guards. Are they the best? No, they are. Uh, they are. They're top 10. OK, because you mentioned that when we. Did a Wolves-Grizzlies game. I, yeah, I, I know I did, and, and that was John Morant under, but I, I guess, I mean, I update these numbers regularly. I guess they've gotten some uh, some big performances against them by point guards. All right, well, if you look at this matchup, I mean, you know, Luka didn't go absolutely off in that 110-108 win Monday night. It was a two-point win. The market's pretty close here. These teams, in my opinion, are very evenly matched. You look at Minnesota, they've won and covered 10 of 11. The only one they didn't was that Mavs game. Uh... Or rather, I'm sorry, going into that Mavs game, they had won and covered 10 of 11. Now they've lost and failed to cover in two straight. And that was capped off by a brutal fourth quarter collapse against Phoenix last night. So these two in a row that they haven't won, haven't covered, Dallas, Phoenix, I'd say pretty uh, pretty good opponents. I think the Wolves are just as good as them. And they're a game and a half behind Denver right now for that sixth seed. We all know how crucial it is. I think the Wolves are a better team than Denver. I think that they're playing with urgency down the stretch. I think Minnesota is going to win this one and cover. It's a bonus bet. I really like the T-Wolves here. I don't think they're going to go 0-2 to Dallas uh, within five days of each other. They're going to get back in the win column here. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I, I think I was a little bit behind on the Timberwolves, the fact that I had this game as a pick just based on my pure power ratings. 
And then I looked at the last game. I looked at their recent numbers, and I, I said, I'm, I'm probably wrong here. And I, I, made a, I made a slight adjustment upgrading the Timberwolves. So, yeah, I think the fact that they barely won the Mavericks, I think you get a little bit more motivation out of the losing, losing team circling back, playing at, on their home court. Uh, the great Steve Fezzik likes to say, you came to my crib and beat me. I'm going to go to your crib. I don't know where he got that lingo from, but he, he, likes, he likes that expression, <laughs> and, and, and it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me that Minnesota is going to be the more motivated team here. And you mentioned it. Luka Doncic held a 5-for-17 against D'Angelo Russell and this Timberwolves team. I think he plays better, but the Timberwolves, they shot 38% for the game. They're going to shoot a lot better. I think perhaps more than any other matchup in the NBA, the change of venue here is critical. The Mavericks at home have had 26 unders and only nine overs in their home games. On the road, 50-50. It's in fact 17 overs, only 16 unders. The Timberwolves are the number one over team in the land, 44 overs on the year, only 30 unders. And I think one of the advantages or one of the, the rights, one of the things that happens to you when you become a good team and the Timberwolves for the first time, maybe since Kevin Garnett can say they are a good team right now, is you start to dictate things. You start to have control over the kind of game that occurs rather than reacting to a superior team. I think Minnesota's in that spot now where the fact that they went from Dallas, they played Dallas-style basketball, low-scoring game, only shot 39%. I think they're going to be able to, to enforce Minnesota-style basketball on Dallas, who will be playing catch-up. So that's why I like the over here. The number is not out yet. The last game closed 229 on Monday. We haven't seen major adjustments from home and advantage for either um, for the totals for either team. Mavericks 215 on average at home, 215 on average at home. Wolves 225 on average at home, 226 on the road. But since the All-Star break, at home, Wolves are I'm no, I'm sorry, in all games, Wolves are going over four points per game. You see the totals have jumped up, but I don't think they've done it enough. And I just mentioned the change of venue. I don't think it was going to change the over-under, and I think it definitely should. So that's why I'm going to go over 229 as my best bet. And I think that you've got a really good edge there because I don't think the books are, are going to come out with the total as high as 229, to be honest. I think it's going to be lower. You know, you look at that last game, it fell at, what, 218? And uh, the Mavericks against Houston the other night, that game ended up with a total of 201. And where were I, those games? And where were each of those games? Dallas. That was Dallas. Dallas. American Airlines, yep. Yeah, so I don't think that the I don't think the market's going to catch up to you here. I think that you know if you're saying over 229, this one could very well open at 225, and, and I like that play. I'm on. I like two plays in this one. I love your over, and I like the T Wolves minus two as well as a little bonus action. But I'm feeling good here. It, it might be a correlated parlay. It might be a correlated parlay. Talking about the Timberwolves like to get up number one over team in the land. If they're playing their style, they're probably playing well. So I think I might sprinkle a little bit on a correlated parlay here with the Wolves and the over. Yeah, it's smart. You know what? If you're going to do a parlay, you might as well do one that will either go 2-0 and or 0-2. Nothing nothing worse than losing a parlay by one leg. Uh, if, if the Wolves win this one, yeah, it's probably going to be higher scoring. I don't think Dallas is going to win this 134-128, to 128, you know? Yes, I don't think the Mavericks win 130-124. to 124. You could argue, oh, well, then why don't you bet the opposite correlated parlay? parlay? I think your original handicap is right. I think the Timberwolves need this game more. And I think they're playing better basketball right now. So going to lay off that. I'm only going to play the over. And I might play some Timberwolves. And I might play some Timberwolves over, over parlay.
There you have it. Heat minus six and a half. Mavs, Wolves over the posted total. Those are your best bets. And it looks like we're in agreement on the bonus bet. The T-Wolves minus two. Guys, go make some money and enjoy your March Madness this weekend as well. We'll see you on Monday.